Hello, my good friends. Mike Shreve here, founder and head troublemaker of the No Pants Project. You are listening to episode 13, How to Know What You Want. I believe this is the most important question to know the answer to. Of all the different questions you could ask yourself, this one has the greatest impact on the life you will live because of the answer you give. And yet, it has also been my experience that this is the question that is hardest for people to answer. Either they just don't ask themselves, and so there is no answer. They don't do the internal work to figure out what is it that I actually want? What do I want to willfully and purposefully create as my experience as a human on this earth right now? Or they've done the internal work and their answer is, I don't know. And the reason that so many people try to figure out what it is that they want and can't is simply because the question itself is inherently broken. And we're going to be talking about that in today's episode. Now, the problem with people not knowing what they want, you could say, well, who cares? Right? Like, what does it matter if people don't know what they want? Just let them go do whatever they're doing. The problem is that knowing what you want is the source of discipline, motivation, focus, etc. Here's, let me explain how powerful knowing what you want is. When you know what you want, that's called clarity. When you know what you want, you're not affected by shiny objects because you know clearly what the next thing you should do is. If I want to make a seven-figure business, there are certain things that I must do to get there. And maybe in the moment, I don't know the exact steps, but all of a sudden, if I know that I want a seven-figure business, I know who I need to be listening to. I know what programs to purchase. If the program says zero to full-time or a program says how to get to six figures or a program says how to start a side hustle, those programs aren't going to help me if I'm trying to build a seven-figure business. So the struggle of choice dissipates once you have clarity about what you want. But also, when you know what you want, you have a better ability to say no. And it's my opinion that the greatest power in forward momentum is the ability to simply say no. No to the wrong projects, no to the wrong ideas, no to the wrong uh, clients, no to the wrong project work. In 2019, access to opportunity is not the problem. The problem in 2019 is focus, is being able to cut through all of the access to all of the opportunity and to pick the one or two things that will get you to where you want to go. But that's a very difficult thing to do when you don't know what you want, because when you don't know what you want, everything sounds amazing. When you don't know what you want, everyone's idea sounds better than the one you have in your head Because the one you have in your head isn't even an idea. You don't even know what you want. And so until you find the answer to that question, it's very easy 
to be like a very small boat in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean being tossed to and fro by violent storms and influences until eventually you wake up and you're doing things you don't even want to do. And you're asking yourself, how the heck did I get here? Knowing what you want is the engine that propels your vehicle, a.k.a. your life. The beautiful thing is that once you get that clarity of knowing what it is that you want, action becomes easier. I believe most people procrastinate and struggle with taking action not because they're inherently lazy people or not because they aren't capable of doing the thing that they're procrastinating. I believe most people procrastinate because they just don't know whether or not they even want to do the thing they're about to do. If I want ice cream, I don't procrastinate. I just go to the refrigerator, (laughs) the freezer, I open it up and I get my ice cream. It's the decision and self-affirmation of this is the thing that I want that makes action easy. And as we've said many, many times, action, the byproduct of action is consequence. In other words, when we have the clarity of knowing what we want, taking the action to getting there becomes easy. Maybe you don't like the word easy. Maybe you prefer the word smoother. Because there'll still be ups and downs and life will still happen. But at least it won't have the same grinding, difficult, why do I have to do this? that doing things you don't want to do feels like. And the byproduct of that action is the consequences, aka the results that you desire. If you've ever looked at someone else and thought, gosh, it looks like they get their, you know, they've built their life so much easier than I have it's because they had a stronger sense of what they wanted. And the chain reaction, the second order consequences, as we've talked about in the past, is that it was easier for them. Now, that's all good and fun to talk about. But there is a problem with just sitting down with a journal and a pen and paper and asking yourself, what do I want? And here's the problem. Let me see if I can paint this out and and why you may have struggled in the past answering the question and why you feel like, well, I kind of know what I want, but it's action still very difficult. Here's a problem with asking yourself, what do I want? Makes for great TV. We love Oprah. She used to ask that all the time. A lot of my friends who follow Oprah like crazy, they, you know, that's, that's their go-to question when they're trying to have an Oprah moment. But the problem with that question is what do you mean, what do you want? Because as far as I can tell, there's three different, at least three, probably a lot more, but there's at least three different meanings of what do you want? There's what do I want now? Am I thirsty? Am I hungry? Do I need some money? There's what you want now with the data that you have around you, with the circumstances you're in right now. Then there is what will I want tomorrow, which let's be honest, human beings change day to day, much less years down the road. That's why five-year goals are kind of Nothing more than a good general compass of where you may end up going directionally, but don't hang on too tight of the specifics because think about your last five years. And then the third is, what am I going to want when things change? Because life isn't linear, right? 
If you've ever seen the sort of uh, meme of this is what success, or you know, this is what people think success looks like, and it's you know a starting point, a straight line to the end point, and then the the other part of the meme is uh, this is what success actually is, and then there's a starting point, and the line is all squiggly and going around, and then, and then they end up at the point. When you begin to go after what you want, things change. You have new experiences. You grow in different ways. So again, the question of what do you want, the reason it's so difficult to answer is because it's not just one question. It's a series of questions. And some of the the answers to those questions are impossible. What are you going to want when things change? Well, I don't know. Things haven't changed. How am I supposed to know? It's like predicting 10 years from now, are you going to like that restaurant you go to and try their waffles for the first time? Well, I don't know. I haven't been yet. (laughs) So what we have to do is take the complexity that is this question, what do you want, and break it down into the most actionable answer that will kickstart that chain reaction of clarity to smoother action to consequences. Because ultimately, the goal of asking yourself, what do I want, is to change your current state. You wouldn't be asking yourself that question if you already had everything that you wanted. Just by asking the question, you're acknowledging that you need change. You need growth of some type. So what we need to do is figure out what's the most efficient form of that question that will allow us to at least kickstart or spark the change that we need. And then to stop trying to answer the impossible version of that question, which is, what do I want to do with the rest of my life? What do I want 10 years from now? If I had, this is the question I... It bugs me every time when people say, if you didn't have to worry about money, what would you do? Well, I don't know. I don't know anybody who doesn't have to worry about money. That seems like a senseless question. It's the same kind of question is, when everything changes, what are you going to want in the future? So what I recommend, if you're struggling with identifying what you want and you're really struggling with kind of smooth action, meaning it's very confusing and you're feeling flustered and I don't know where to go and I don't know what to do, ask yourself the simplest version of the question, what do you want right now? What do you want changed and fixed right now? Because remember, if you're even asking yourself this question, it's because you want some kind of change. It could be that your subconscious is trying to get you to move and it's bringing this question up using your reticulating activating system to hear podcasts or hear YouTube videos. And every time, so what I need to do is I need to sit down and figure out what I want. What do you want right now? That is a more relevant and useful version of that question because of the second order consequences. Because when you get the clarity of what you want right now, you can take the action right now and get the consequences as soon as possible. There is something that's very important to understand and it's Maslow's hierarchy of need which is the basis for a lot of motivational theory. Now, Maslow's has undergone some scrutiny. Most of the scrutiny has actually increased the complexity, not done away with the principle, the core principle of Maslow's, which if you really think of the core principle of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, it is essentially that we have stages of need. And we can't skip stages. So if you don't know what Maslow's hierarchy of need is, it's this triangle. And basically, it maps out what people need and the order in which they need it from the bottom to the top. So let me tell you what the bottom to the top are. 
So the first thing that human beings need is has to do with their physiology, right? Which is to say they need food, they need water, they need sleep, they need health, okay? Without those things, nothing else really matters, right? So if you are uh, completely dehydrated, on the edge, it doesn't matter what you want five years from now, you need to figure out how to get some water right now. Okay, so let's say you get that taken care of. Then you have issues of safety, right? Do I have a safe place to live? Are my kids safe? Am I safe? Or am I constantly under pressure from etc. and etc.? That's the next layer. You're not going to be thinking about what do I want my business to look like in 10 years if you're about to get kicked out of your apartment because you don't have any money to pay your rent. Do you see why the complexity of what you want is such a, uh, uh, it can be a false flag sometimes, the way people ask it. You have to figure out where you are currently on Maslow's hierarchy of need, and this is why I recommend asking yourself, what do you want right now? Because after safety then is love and belonging. Do you have connections? Do you have relationships? Uh, Do you feel like people are supporting you? Do you feel like you have a community to turn to? Then, of course, is esteem, which is to say uh, it can be self-esteem. It can be praise from others. And then the very tippy top is self-actualization. The problem with the question of what do you want is that most people, when they are trying to answer it, are stuck down at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, thinking that their answer should be something at the top. So let's say, for example, right now, they despise their job. Maybe they don't even feel safe at their job. Maybe they feel like they're about to get laid off. Maybe they feel like their boss doesn't like them. Maybe they're, so there's all these things that are pushing them down to the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of need, where they're concerned about safety, they're concerned about belonging, they're concerned about You know, maybe it's a a job that is actually hurting their physical body, right? It's like a physiological problem. And they're trying to figure out what's my calling in life. The problem is not that it's a bad idea to try and figure out what your calling in life is. It's that you can't actually answer that question until you've moved up Maslow's hierarchy of needs and solve those problems first. This is a core component of motivational theory, which is a psychological principle of why people do things. So you have to take an honest examination of where you are at In Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs, I recommend you go check it out online, do some research, find out more about it, and figure out where you are in that pyramid and allow that to be the starting point from what you ask of what do I want now. When I was homeless, I realized, because, I mean, this is going to sound, when I look back on it, it sounds crazy, but I understand and, empath- and am empathetic to those who might be near the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of need, thinking that they need to be working about self-actualization and esteem and trying to make the two work when psychologically it's impossible. When I was homeless, I was wondering, what's my life's purpose? What's my calling? And it wasn't until I made the shift and said, what do I need now? What do I want now? Where am I on this triangle of needs? And how do I move up to the next level? I'm not suggesting that people all of a sudden become short-sighted and only live for the now. What I am suggesting is that by moving your by focusing on upward movement in Maslow's hierarchy of need, 
you give yourself breathing room to appropriately address questions like, when it comes to self-actualization and esteem, what do I want? Very difficult to do when, you know, uh, as they say in the world of uh, PTSD, when the house is on fire, which is to say, when everything around you is crumbling, and it feels like it's crumbling, or it feels like, when the business is unstable, it's very difficult to be concerned with who are we donating money to as a company when you can't even hit payroll. Sometimes asking yourself what I want and looking at it too long-term is a procrastination and avoidance tool. So if you find yourself in a rough spot and you're making vision boards for what your life's going to look like in 20 years, you might be avoiding the problem that needs to be addressed, which is what are we doing now? Context for when you ask yourself the question of what do I want is critical. Now, let's assume that you answer that question with what do I want? Well, what I want right now is I need to make $5,000 a month. And you do some inner work, you figure it out, you're realistic and honest with where you're at right now. How do you know, how do you test, how can you be sure that what you want is what you want? Again, I'm going to try to be as practical as possible. I'm sure there are lots of ways to test the validity of your desire that may be more intuitive, I happen to be obsessed with practicality. Likely that's because I was homeless and so uh, I have less patience for distraction. There's three ways that I like to test whether what I'm doing for what do I want now is what I actually want. The first is I make it physical. So we have five senses and ironically, we very rarely engage them when we're trying to answer the question of like it's hard questions. Who am I? What do I want? Where do I want to go? Etc. So for example, someone in our coaching and mentoring program the other day shared this really cool video. I love the idea. I'm actually going to try it out this week. But an author got a big sheet of butcher paper, laid it on her long table, and literally laid on the paper and like outlined her entire novel in a very physical way. Her whole body was moving as she kind of, you know, it was like she was being a kid again. If you look at how kids figure things out, there's a lot more kinesthetic processing involved. They'll run and have a conversation with you. Like my son, we have one of those little tiny trampolines in our house, uh, and he will have an entire complex conversation while jumping on the trampoline and there are times where he goes to the trampoline before he starts the conversation because I believe it helps him to process his thoughts better. A lot of really great and amazing creative people go outside to create because they're invoking the senses. So make what you do physical. Create a representation of what you want to do if you have to. If you, if you want to do a vision board, that's fine. Just try to do a vision board for the next 30 days instead of for the next 30 years. Try to make it for what do I see myself doing? What do I want in the next 30 days? What do I want in the next two weeks? What do I want in the... 
make it physical. Because then once you make it physical and once you put it on paper, once you uh, put it out there and you've used your body to kind of create, you'll have signals both uh, in that you can objectively observe the thing that you've created But you'll also be able to better rely on that gut feeling. And you may say, but Mike, you just didn't, you were talking about how intuition isn't a thing that you do. I'm totally not into like the, that kind of intuition. I am into a gut feeling though. I do, I have, I've had enough experiences where I do believe that there are physical manifestations, meaning your body physically reacts to connections made in the subconscious, which may not necessarily trickle to the conscious and the prefrontal cortex, but can be expressed in your body. For example, when you're really nervous about something and you have the shakes, that's an example of anxiety happening on the subconscious level being expressed physically. So when you have something objective, you can rely on more than just your thinking to measure whether or not that's really what you want. Secondly, Amy Poehler has this really, I mean, it's so simple, but so effective. My wife and I do it all the time. We say we're Amy Polaring something. Just pretend for two or three days that you're already doing it. Act like it's already done. So for example, if you want to build a $10,000 per month business, pretend that you already run a $10,000 a month business. And you may say that's ridiculous. And that's the weirdest thing I've ever heard. And how is that supposed to help me with what I want? And what does that even look like? Well, if in your mind, somebody who runs a $10,000 a month business wakes up at seven o'clock is done working by noon, try it out. See if that really is what you want. See if that is the kind of like, just pretend maybe you have clients now, maybe you don't have clients, but pretend that your clients are paying you five times as much as what they're already paying you. Pretend you're already trying this new thing that you're trying to do, whatever it is. Even if you aren't getting paid for it, just pretend. Pretend that you are a best-selling author. What does a best-selling author do? Well, they sit down and write a lot. Okay, well for three days, write a lot and pretend that everybody loves what you're writing and that it's making you all this money. And at the end of the two or three days say, is this what I want? Now you may say, but Mike, I have a job. I can't do this. I've got kids. I can't ask the people around you to give you a weekend, just one weekend, a Saturday and Sunday, or whatever your weekend ends up being, Ask them to support you for two days where you can preview what could change all of their lives. By the end of the two, three days, I don't know, maybe you you might need another weekend. That's fine. But at the end of the two or three days, you should be able to walk away and say, yeah, you know, (laughs) actually sitting and writing all day is not as fun as I thought it was going to be. Or... Oh my gosh, I was in flow both of those days. This is what I need to do. Number three, the third way to test whether this is what you really want. Identify the small but critical actions before committing yourself to the big ones and do them. Now, here's what I mean. Most people, when they say, I'm going to start a business... What they think they have to do is build a website, figure out what they're charging, et cetera, et cetera. These really big actions, build a whole marketing system, get branding, buy my business license. I say to test whether or not this is what you want to do, find someone who you think would be a perfect client and say, hey, can I just talk to you? I'm thinking of starting a business. I'm not even going to sell anything. I just want to talk to you about some stuff. What's it like when you hire freelancers? That is a small but critical action. And you're going to find out a ton by doing that instead of procrastinating the really big stuff. 
Now, I want to talk a little bit about fear because one of the things that's really, really common when people start exploring what they want is they have a real reaction of fear. And, and I feel like I should also take a second here to be clear about what I mean when I talk about what do you want now, okay? I have this sense that maybe somebody listening to this right now is thinking that I'm only talking about what do I want in the next 24 hours. When I was talking about what you want today, what you want tomorrow, what you want when everything changes, I'm not unrealistic. I would never expect someone to know what they want in a future scenario where things might be different. What I am simply suggesting is that with the information you have right now, what do you want right now? The purpose of this reframing of the question is not so that you don't think long-term. It's not that you don't consider long-term results. It's simply to recognize and frankly have reverence and respect for the fact that you don't know everything and you will never know everything. So you might as well create a framework in which you can get clarity to the most important question you can ask yourself. In other words, rather than waiting forever to figure out what you want, because life changes, you change, you grow, things adjust, take a snapshot of where you are at right now And based off of what you know, based off of where you are in Maslow's hierarchy of needs right now, based off of everything that's happening to you right now, what do you want? Then work for that. Maybe right now in your life, you think you want to be a certain kind of person because that's what everyone else says you should be. But maybe right now in your life, you don't actually want to be that person. For example, I could have started the No Pants Project and been, you know, like a person who does a podcast that people listen to or has a coaching and mentoring program. I could have done that eight or nine years ago. I was making six figures per year as a freelancer within my first year. And I had many people telling me, you should do this. You should do it. You should do it. And in that moment, I thought that's what I wanted to do. Thankfully, I did those three things that I was talking about before where I pretended and then I tested it out and then I, you know, I got physical and tried to like create things and I realized it just wasn't what I wanted to do. I knew someday, but there was so much else on the Maslow's hierarchy of need I wanted to fix first before I got to that place. Maybe right now you don't want a $10,000 a month business. Maybe you just want a $3,000 a month side thing. Maybe you just want to take a bunch of time off and you're not trying to grind or hustle or whatever. The point I'm trying to make here is with what you have going on today, which is the only actual moment that you have. Yesterday's gone and tomorrow's not promised. So with what you have today, right now, as you listen to the sound of my voice, what do you want? Where are you on Maslow's hierarchy of needs? And where do you want to be? 
Sorry for that side note tangent. I just wanted to be super clear here about what we're talking about because knowing how to know what you want can be a minefield of misdirection because culturally we have some strange ideas. We have on the one hand a culture of suppression of don't ever talk about what you want and then on the other hand we have this culture of consumerism which is take 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 what you want in the moment and what is immediate gratification and etc and etc so i want to make sure to distinguish what we're talking about in a way that's healthy when you pursue it cuz that's more important than 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 any end goal is a pursuit of something good done in a healthy way. So let's talk a little bit about fear. Sorry for that side track there. I want you to understand something that when I ask you what you want, I I I I didn't ask you how you feel about it. I asked you what you want. And that's a big distinction. Because when you go down the process and path of figuring out what you want, I guarantee fear, anxiety, doubt, all of those things are going to surface. And a mistake that a lot of people make is that they think that they can't want things that make them afraid. They assume that if they're afraid, that must mean they don't actually want it. Or they assume that if they are nervous or anxious or doubt themselves, that that's a sign that they don't actually want the thing. If you study, and this is why I recommend reading biographies, if you study almost any great creator, creative, producer, somebody who has made something or led something or accomplished something, self-doubt and fear is those are the bricks by which the path to getting you want what you want is paved. They are not mutually exclusive. They are synonymous in most cases. So if these reactionary feelings of fear, anxiety, self-doubt are not indicators of the truth behind whether you want something or not, how do you know Let's say you've done the testing, you did the pretending, you did the physical, you did these other things. How do you know that you're on the right track to what you want? Well, I, I, I try to measure it in three different ways. The first one is, are you growing? So as you test, as you move forward, because you're not going to be able to figure this stuff out on paper. There, there, there's very little that is... Um, very few important things are, are accomplished or discovered by overthinking. Now, I'm not saying don't think. Hear me out here. Most of the important discoveries of our age, certainly, most of the important things that have ever been accomplished happened by doing, by exploring, by creating by getting your hands dirty, by being messy, by making mistakes. So first thing is test and then don't then spend the next five weeks just thinking it in your head without doing something. You have to go do something. And as you begin to do something, there are three ways that you can measure the results of the doing to know whether or not you're on the right path for figuring out what it is that you want. Number one, is you have to ask yourself, are you growing? 
because we all desire growth if we're asking ourselves, what do I want? Because remember, the asking yourself the question is itself a sign that you want something different. So if you are growing while you're trying this stuff out and you're testing things and maybe this is the business I want to run and maybe I'm going to commit to this niche and maybe I'm going to commit to these types of customers, as long as you're growing, you are accomplishing what you want because there's, you can never go wrong with growing. Even if you are misaligned from, you know, this like, picture perfect uh, you know you cut the magazine out and you put it on and that's not the house I really want but it's kind of the house I really want as long as you're growing you're doing something positive and that is a second order consequence of the action and clarity that comes from what you want so you can measure second order consequences to know if you're moving in the, the right direction Now, one way to know whether or not you're growing is to measure your, what are called higher order human traits. There's a really good book called The Selfish Gene by Richard Dawkins, which says that most humans are wired to be selfish, but that doesn't mean they have to remain so. And so if our base model is a gene-powered selfish machine, the higher order human being, you could say more civilized, but I think that word has kind of gone um, out of politically correct culture, higher order human traits, are you becoming more disciplined? Are you becoming more empathetic? Are you becoming more brave? Are you becoming more open-minded and exploratory? Are you able to confront ideas that challenge your own? If these are things that are happening and you're journaling every day, make sure you journal every day so that you can measure whether or not these qualitative adjustments are occurring, then you are on the path towards what you want. Second, are you able to objectively measure whether you're improving or backsliding? So let me give you an example. I missed out on the early stages of Kindle self-publishing because I procrastinated and struggled with the question of what genre do I want to write in? And if you want to know how bad my procrastination was, two and a half years. I first self-published in 2012. The people who made an absolute killing in self-publishing, the pioneers, the ones whose names we all recognize in the space... They started in 2009, 2010, 2011. I was late to the party and probably could have had a very different self-publishing career because I couldn't figure out what I wanted, what genre I wanted to write in. It wasn't until I realized that of all the complex pieces of information of what goes into figuring out what you want... When I was asking myself, what genre do I want to write in? What I was actually asking myself was, what genre is going to allow me to have a certain result from my self-publishing career? When I realized that was the, again, this is such a, the question itself can be so misguiding until you break it down. When I realized that's what I was looking for, I said, okay, well, let me try writing in this genre. Let me try writing in this genre. Let me test some things out. And it wasn't like, let me write 10 books in this one and then 10 books in the other. It was, let me spend 10 days pretending I'm, or, you know, two or three days pretending I'm a best-selling romance author. Let me spend two or three days pretending I'm a best-selling mystery author or fiction author, etc. Let me write some little tiny short stories. And wouldn't you know, In doing those experiments, I found some genres 
were easier for me to put down higher word counts. In other words, I discovered that the genre of X and Y and Z were a straighter and less resistant path for me to get to where I wanted to go. And that's how I knew I should be doing one of those genres. Because it was easy to measure the improvement rather than the backsliding. Because there were some genres where I was like, hey, two, three days experiment, here we go. And I wouldn't write any words. I would procrastinate, I would overthink, I would whatever. And it wasn't what I thought. Like the genres that I had the hardest time writing in were the ones I loved to read the most. And it was because I was intimidated by them. I wasn't sure I could ever do them. And so I had to look at what do I want now? And I wanted to get books out now. I wanted to, etc. Instead of me waiting 10 years for someday I'm going to be better at writing and I'll finally be able to, I just said, well, what can I write now? What can I get started with now? Because I want to get results now. And so that's the process I went through to discover the genres that I write. And that was what, almost seven years ago. Since then, I have improved my writing and I do now write in my passion genres. But at the time, I wanted to get stuff going now, not in 10 years. And so I had to use the objective measurement is of is doing this, am I seeing improvement or am I seeing backsliding? Number three, and lastly, if I do this, am I moving up Maslow's hierarchy of need or am I just trying to skip a bunch of steps? Yes, I want everyone, I, I wish that everyone in this entire world would have rich people problems of wondering about who they are and how can they improve their self-esteem and self-actualization and all these sorts of things. But the reality is that most human beings spend most of their life at the bottom of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. So if you can use vertical ascension step-by-step as another objective measurement of am I improving my position for myself and those that I love so that I can eventually get to those higher level dreamy type goals that we have, then you're on the right path because it's very difficult, if not impossible, to skip the steps in Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's very difficult to give all of your money away if you don't have enough to pay rent. So step one is to pay rent. Then step two, how do I get some extra? Step three, who do I give it away to? This is a process of looking through what you want and making sure that you aren't contradicting yourself as well, which we could have a whole different podcast about uh, choice and irrationality and contradictions. But for now, we'll just talk about what you want. Here's a few concluding thoughts I want to wrap up on today's podcast. Number one, don't let the moment derail your future. Again, I'm asking you, what do you want, not how do you feel? Too many people have been sideswiped by identifying what they want, going for it, having a bad day, and then questioning whether or not that's what they want anymore. This is why you have to set up objective measures to know whether or not you're on the right path. Number two... If you want a shortcut to happiness, 
just want fewer things. So, this is not even about materialism and consumer culture as much as it's about focus. A lot of people get confused about, they, about what they want because they're trying to want so many different things that some of the things they want contradict each other. I understand that you want to start 17 businesses. I get it. And I get it because I want to also. I want to have 90 products in the No Pants Project. I want to have 200 people on our team. I want a million, you know, like, I totally understand that. But to get anything requires applied focus over time. The more... disparate, the more fanned out, the more directions that your focus is going, the less results you receive on any one of those things you're trying to chase. If you have a hundred units of energy to give every single day, and you decide to give one here and one here and one here and one here, and, a, and, and each of those businesses or each of those ideas, in order for them to be where you want them to be, require a hundred energy units themselves to be where you want them to be, it's going to take you a long time before any one of them has reached the minimum viable level of success. Whereas if you were to just focus on one or two of them and focus that energy on one or two of those things, you would get to where you want to go much faster. There is great power and freedom in learning to say no, but also realizing that as a grown-up and as a real human, you can have anything you want, but you can't have everything that you want. And that's not me being a Debbie Downer. That's the physical reality in which we live. Because as human beings, we are programmed to want more because that motivates us to action. It's why consumerism works. Because we are programmed to continuously, like we'll never be satiated. We always want the next thing and the next thing and the next thing and the next thing. So learning to reduce that desire and that need and not let it control you allows you to actually get what you want. And then it also allows you to be happier. The Buddhists believe that all pain and suffering comes from desire. In other words, the less you desire, the happier you will be. Which leads me to point number three. Don't assume that the obvious path is the right one. So, for example, you may say, I don't like my job. I don't like where I am. I need to make $100,000 a year to, to be happy. That's the obvious path, but it may not be the right one. Maybe you don't need a ton of money to make you happy. Maybe what you need is just a better plan of specifically knowing what you want. Because when you sit down, he's like, do I really want this? Do I really want a big house like that? Do I really want this thing? Do I really? And when you start to process that, you realize, oh gosh, you know what? I'd actually be happier... If instead of working a bunch of hours to make a bunch of money for stuff I don't really want, if I worked fewer hours to have more freedom living more simply. Now that's a a fairly obvious example, but there are others as well of the assumption. So for example, someone goes to school for graphic design and they think the only way they'll make money is being a graphic designer, that's the obvious 
solution. What if the unobvious solution is designing funnels or uh, you create some kind of package in which, yes, part of what you do is designing, but what you really wanted from a career was something else anyway, so you combine other skills. I'm simply saying exploring non-obvious solutions can often give you more of what you want specifically as opposed to jumping on the bandwagon for what everybody else thinks you should want. I'm not a fan of cookie cutter. The No Pants Project could make so much more money if we just said, we'll train you to be a copywriter making this specific thing. Or we'll train you to be a this thing. Like Most of our competitors, that's what they do. They're very specific about, we instead say, we'll help you build your dream business, whatever that looks like. And I can tell you, it's so much harder as a company to do, but that's because I don't believe in cookie cutter. Cookie cutter is what people are trying to avoid. Cookie cutter is what makes people miserable because what people actually want typically isn't what everybody else wants because nobody wants that. It just has become the common idea. So finding the non-obvious paths to truly self-identifying what it is you want with the information you have right now, that is the least tension, smoothest process to taking action and getting the results that you're looking for. It requires a lot of inner work. And I understand that. And I understand that many people are going to come away from this podcast and say, yeah, there's no way I'm going to do that work. I'm just going to go plug myself into something. One of my mentors says most people are walking around with their umbilical cords looking to plug it in somewhere. I totally get that. I'm simply challenging you to reconsider what hasn't been working for you up to this point. Lastly, and this is the most important thing, you can change. The long-term play of this process of what you want now, the long-term play is to check in with yourself once a quarter, ask yourself what it is you really want, and not being afraid to adjust. Every successful person that I've ever personally met has adjusted a hundred times in their career, in their life. They have what they have right now and are happy with what it is that they have because they've made adjustments. If you haven't progressed and changed your mind since you were 13, 14, 15 years old, you haven't grown. Change is a good thing. Changing your mind is great. Changing your mind means you're an adult who thinks things through, who explores new possibilities and ideas. So just because you commit to pursuing something that you want right now, it doesn't mean you don't change in six months or a year. All I'm saying is with the information you have right now, want something bad enough to take action so you can have a consequence. With the new consequence, ask yourself, is this what I want? Yes or no? Okay, great. This isn't what I want, so I'm going to change. Now I'm going to take new action. I'm going to have new consequences. And this is why the measurements I talked about earlier about whether you're growing, are you developing higher level traits? That's where all of this comes in to know whether you're on the right path. Are you becoming a better person as you pursue the things that you want? That's what matters. It's okay to change. I hope you do. It means you're growing. That, my friends, is it for episode 13 of the No Pants Show, How to Know What You Want. If you want mentor coaching guidance to help you through this process to identify and get more clear, please visit thenopantsproject.com. There's a process to apply to work with me and my team. We love helping people through this. Otherwise, I will see you tomorrow in episode 14. Another day, another podcast, hopefully another little bit of help. I love you guys and I'll talk to you later.